0: grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So in our lesson today, is this a lesson on humility or the Sabbath? Could go either way? What my answer is, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, Firstly, the Sabbath. The law of God demands that the Sabbath day be observed. This is the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Is it a coincidence that Jesus is dropped down next to this person with Dropsy? I'll call him Joe Dropsy because he's not given a name otherwise. So is it a coincidence that Jesus is seated next to Joe Dropsy? Don't know. Um, Was he put there on purpose? Did the Pharisees even go so far as to invite Joe Dropsy to this dinner so that they could seat Jesus next to him and say, let's see how this plays out. Let's see what happens. Let's tempt him to heal this man on the Sabbath because that would be entrapping him. And the text does say they were watching him carefully. Jesus is there dining with them and their eyes are on him, watching, waiting for him to slip up. Then again... Um, it doesn't say that the man was seated there. It actually just says there was a man before him who had dropsy. And you have to recognize that in, in this context, in a, on, on the Sabbath day, the Jews would have a Seder meal, a dinner, basically dinner time meal, and that for a Pharisee, the Seder meal would be a sort of semi-public event So actually people from their community could come in and just observe and sort of be on the periphery. This could have been someone like that. He might not have even been invited. He might have just shown up and and been there. So we don't know. Um, I suppose we don't know for sure whether the Pharisees did this to entrap Jesus or not. But it doesn't matter really what their motives are. What matters is that in the presence of this sick man, Jesus will do what Jesus does, which is to heal and to teach. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? That's the question Jesus puts to them. Is it lawful to heal? Here, obviously, standing before me as a man with a malady, that is evident to all because you could see it on him. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? The Pharisees already uh, in Jesus' ministry have been bested by him, so they're probably not real anxious to answer. And they don't. You notice in the text, they don't give him a reply. They won't say, no, it's not lawful. But he seems to know that that's what's going on in their heart because he says to them in his way of teaching them, he asks them another question. Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out. Now, if they were to say, I wouldn't because it's the Sabbath, number one, they'd be lying. And number two, they'd be answering his first question about whether or not it was lawful to heal on the Sabbath. They're not going to go down this road. So again, they remain silent. They won't answer him. They know that that they, they're going to lose if they try to explain or, or answer away. So they just stay, stay silent. <clears throat> this, something that help, might help make this whole account uh, make a little more sense is to consider Jesus' words from Mark 2 when he said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. This came up in our Bible study this morning. We were talking about God's law. Um, and it, it's not, God didn't just arbitrarily give a law to see if we could follow it or not. He gave a law that was for our benefit. A day of rest is for our benefit. It's not, it's not a matter of you know, setting booby traps for us to fall into. And that's what Jesus is saying here, that, that, that the Sabbath was not made for man, but man or the man was not made for the Sabbath. No, it's the other way around. The Sabbath was made for man for our benefit. To observe the Sabbath means, as our small catechism teaches, we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. So observing the Sabbath is more of a condition of the heart then an outward fulfilling of it, a, a strict regimen. You know? Oh, I'm not going to flick a light switch today. Why? Oh, it's the Sabbath. If I flip a light switch, then just before those uh, two pieces of metal make contact, there's a little spark, which is technically kindling a fire, which is technically against the Sabbath. So uh, don't drive your car on the Sabbath because when you turn that ignition, you're going to get a spark. Oh, well, I mean, it's all combustion. You're making a fire constantly as you're driving. So don't drive the car on the Sabbath. If you want to be, if you want to strictly follow the Sabbath, And remember the Sabbath is sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night, not Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's day. So anyway, it's a condition of the heart. Observing the Sabbath is a condition of the heart and we hold God's word sacred. We don't just use the Uh, don't use the Sabbath as an excuse to not help our neighbors. And that's kind of what's happening here. You know, is he's asking, is it lawful to heal? Or can I use that as a plausible excuse that I could just sit back, get about Joe Dropsy over here and just enjoy my dinner? Can I use it as an excuse? Sorry, Joe, can't do it today. It's the Sabbath. Or perhaps I should even suffer the shame and contempt that I might absorb if I was to help out Joe. Maybe I'm going to help him out after all, even though I know I'm going to suffer shame and contempt from these people around me. That's kind of the question of what's going on here. And Jesus condemns the pretentious and self-centeredness of the Pharisees. The Sabbath will not stand in the way of your own interests, more or less what he's saying to them. You would save your own ox because it serves you. You need that ox. So you jump right in and save it. But while you will run afoul of the Sabbath when it suits your needs, you would not do the same for your brother who cannot repay you. You see, he's condemning them with these words. If it doesn't serve your needs and the Sabbath provides a useful excuse to neglect the needs of your neighbor. Here's your neighbor, Joe Dropsy, And Jesus looked upon him, and he healed him. And Joe had nothing to give in return. I mean, he didn't have anything to give Jesus in return. But he received. And he received from Jesus, who gives freely, which is what Jesus always does. He gives freely. And then the lesson on the Sabbath pivots to humility. We heard in our lesson from from Proverbs... Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. Does that sound familiar? That's from Proverbs, but that's the same thing Jesus was citing when he said, uh, taught his parable here in our gospel lesson. He said, when you think highly of yourself and you assume a seat of honor... And then you get, you get told, uh no, sorry, you're sitting at the kids' table tonight. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> it brings shame on you. So don't do that. Take the seat of humility, be humble. I have come among you as the least among you. And and then and then you will be honored when you are elevated. I get to sit at the adult table this time? <laughs> Jesus' moral instructions continue here. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. If you put this simply in moralistic terms, then it would be give to others without expecting in return. And Jesus modeled that here with Joe. He didn't ask for anything from Joe. He just healed him. You know what? That's kind of Jesus' entire ministry to us. And that is exactly the way he feeds us now. What is it that we who have just confessed that we are sinful, that we fall short of God's grace... What is it that he's going to do for us now? Kick us out of this building? No. <laughs> you just heard God's word. He's going to feed you in the sacrament. He's going to give you forgiveness. See, that's, I, it's beyond me that there are some churches where they do not want to confess their sins. That's so negative. We don't want to do that. We want to keep, you know, giving you participation trophies. But those participation trophies come to an end. When you come to the reality of our sinful condition, which you can hide from it, you know, a certain amount. But at some point, it's going to come out. But that's not what Jesus does. He serves us. I mean, when you hear this, this expectation that Jesus has and that he's modeled, which is give to others without expecting anything in return. Do a self-assessment and check yourself. How am I doing on that? I mean, you know that you're called to a life of humble servant. Humble service, sorry. You're called to serve those that God puts in your midst how are you doing on that in Matthew 25 we see a uh, we see a glimpse into the future into the future day of judgment in which Jesus will say truly I say to you as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers you did it to me uh, remember that that's that's people who are being invited into his kingdom and are saying, I don't remember ever serving you, Jesus. And he's saying, yeah, you did it for the least of my brothers, therefore you did it for me. So put Jesus' face on the people that are around you, okay? And say to yourself, if I'm serving this person as though they are Christ, how am I doing? Am I doing all right? see, Jesus' face in the, in the face of the child who's driving you nuts. How are you doing? How about that obnoxious neighbor, the one that plays his loud music all the time. Put Jesus on his face. How are you doing in your service, your humble service, to your Lord? How about that person who cut in line or even worse? Brace yourselves. Even worse, the one who took more than 12 items into the express line. How are you doing? Put Jesus', in the, on Jesus face there. How are you doing in humble service to that person? How about putting Jesus' face on the mentally ill? Drug addicts. That homeless panhandler out there. Prison inmates. Foreigners. How are you doing? I mean, you can put Jesus' face on every neighbor that you have. Neighbors are just the people that are around you. And then ask yourself, how am I doing? If you think that you're doing all that you can, well, I applaud you. And go ahead and step in line with the Pharisees because they also thought that. They thought that they were doing everything just right. On the other hand, if you examine yourself in your actions over the past week or month or year, and you come to the conclusion that you're not quite, not quite living up to God's standard, or maybe you're very far short of God's standard, then you've come to the right place. Come and receive Christ's mercy. Think about that abominable publican, you know, the tax collector, the one who stood uh, before the temple. He wouldn't even get close to the temple. He stood at a distance and he wouldn't even look up to heaven because he was so ashamed. No, he looked down and all he could say is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that's the man who left that day righteous. Because it is the contrite heart. I have no doubt that that we can be motivated to, to do good things, to be patient, to love our neighbors genuinely to follow Christ's example, even loving people when, it, when they put us down, even loving in a way that's self, sac, that is sacrificial, even lo- loving in a way where we're showing love towards someone that can't repay us for anything, I know that we can do that by God's help. But the message that Jesus is giving here is that it is the heart, it's the condition of your heart. If you draw near to him in repentance and say, have mercy on me, a sinner, then you will be lifted high. You will be given the seat of honor. And it's not because of your good works. It's because of Christ's love for you and what Christ has done for you. Jesus died for your sins. In Christ, we have the Sabbath rest. I mean, we have a perpetual Sabbath rest with him. I mean, this is why we don't, cease all work Friday night to Saturday night. You know, we we have an eternal Sabbath rest that we are presently enjoying in Christ. But we do come on Sunday morning. We do open his word and read that because that's what this day is for, is for receiving God's word. Jesus took the lowest seat, not just at this dinner, but He took the worst position you could take. That's the shame and the dishonor of the cross. That's the seat he took. Oh, Jesus, God incarnate, what seat will you take? I will take the seat of dishonor, of contempt, of scorn. I will be stricken, smitten, and afflicted. The chastisement that should be upon you will be upon me. That's the seat I will take. That's what Jesus Christ said and did. That is what he's teaching here, is that he will take that seat. Remember that his face is set toward Jerusalem. That's more than geography. It's, that's more than a geographic statement. It doesn't just mean he's on I-95 headed to Washington, D.C. No, 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 that's, that's not the point. It means his his mind is now set, he, his mission is now set to go to the cross and to die on the cross. And that is where Jesus is headed for your sins, for my sins. He has taken upon himself all of your sins and he has washed you clean in your baptism. You're baptized, you are washed clean. Cling to that promise, hold on to that promise. Consequently, Jesus Christ has been raised by God, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand, is the mediator now for us. And Jesus now lives to make intercession for you. So if you ask now for mercy, hear the good news. In Christ, you are forgiven.